Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast, actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. And I'm still alive, somehow. Yeah, not for lack of trying. Good lord. <laughs> Next time, Gadget. <laughs> <laughs> Next time. Uh, yeah, I suppose go ahead and launch back into our... Uh, we're, we're continuing our adventures with the doorkeepers as they continue their exploration. Well, not really exploring anymore so much as... Uh, well, no, further exploration now of the Lantern Vault in the uh, the location known as the Tekra Minute inside of the Capsutonum. Yeah, we thought we'd gotten through it all, and then the, we lens of truth our way to a new place. Yeah, Just when you thought you were out. Apparently. <laughs> so, yeah, when last we left off, our heroes had descended down into uh, the depths of the Lantern Vault, had found there a golden onk blazing with light and then subsequently been attacked by two shining children of which I had blinded 75% of the party. <laughs> yeah. Somehow, yep. I don't know how I passed them saves. <laughs> Good rolls. The party then teleported away and bought themselves a couple of rounds until they'd finished searching downstairs before the monsters had flown upstairs with a double move giving them a hundred foot movement speed. And I'm guessing they actually knew where they were going. Yes. Like going through the, the kind of like the maze of natural caverns below. A uh, rather vicious battle had ensued, and that you guys were taking a ton of damage. You honestly had all taken a ton of damage before you even got the first hit point damage on these <laughs> things. Uh, yes. Yeah. We, we definitely spent the first couple of rounds going, what are these things? Ow, 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 ow. <laughs> Spell turning disintegration aside. Um, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. had nearly claimed the life of Hollis. You had uh, subsequently managed to, in that case, you being Hollis, had subsequently managed to banish one of them back into its native plane. And the other one was slain by Citra <laughs> before uh, things could escalate any further. Hey, double critical. I did a double What's critical. A double, crit? double critical. It's nice having that 15-20 crit range. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. You had finished the uh, the long battle still with the onk in hand. I suppose to, to get us caught back up. All of you stand in the entryway, uh, the, the entry corridor to the lantern vault. Sudi, I imagine, shrinking back down from his 12-foot height following yep. the the fight. Masika gasping after spending one minute casting a spell. Hollis holding aloft the onk, grabbing it again. It seems almost natural to grab it from the uh, the arch at the top, the the circular portion. Like For those of you not too familiar with the shape of an onk, basically resemblant of a crosser. It always makes me think of the just the simple for women. That's weird, but okay. Well, because it's like a little circle, and then yeah, it's, it's got... The right, yeah, yeah it's except the right at the top shape. of it's a little bit more, like, teardrop-shaped. Like teardrop shape, yes, yeah. yeah. Like an inverted teardrop. But holding this aloft, light pouring out from it, mostly golden white, although still with this faint hint of blue from the large sapphire in the center of this onk. Playing off down the hallway where the light touches and revealed an illusory wall towards the end of the corridor. All right, y'all. I think... I mean, I'm feeling pretty okay, even though I almost got crisp to death. Uh, but it looks like we got a new passage to take. Sudi like brushes some of his uh, his fur, and it just like ash turns to ash and just disintegrates. I'm a little crispy. I figure uh, Citra just looks down at her body, still kind of charred. <laughs> All of us are like, Sudi has to like brush himself though, because it's just black on black. And then one <laughs> minute later, everyone turns to look over at Masika. I was blind, but, but now you, now see. you can see. <laughs> and I helped. <laughs> All right, uh, Citra gets back 18 from the healing hex. <laughs> Pause for healing real quick. Yeah. So yeah, after uh, healing up, 
there's the corridor ahead or back to the chamber with the dais. Or feasibly all the way back down through the tunnels and all the rest of that stuff, but... Yeah, because there was other magic down there. <laughs> yeah, we need to go check them tunnels. Or actually, we need to go back to that room and well, let's... check them chests. So, yeah, I guess the first thing is we're going to have to walk down there because I don't think teleporting there is feasible. I don't have another teleport. So, yeah. Well, also, you would have like seen it once, and that's, I think, kind of risky. But yeah. if we hop down one of those little holes... Well, I'm still flying because my flying stuff is overland it's flight. Good for so you. Some of us have to use charges off of our wing or boots of flying. Mm. Mm. Uh, okay, so let's go check this like secret passage tunnel area we have discovered. Yeah. It's okay. on the way. Secret tunnel. So you turn, gather yourselves together, make your way off back down the hallway that you'd initially gone down, approaching towards the turn that would take you back in the direction of the statues of Set. As you approach, you find that there is not a secret, it's not really a secret tunnel or a secret passage. To be perfectly honest, it's it's more of a overly large alcove than it is even a separate room. You reach the end of the passage and find a chamber, maybe about 20 feet deep, 30 feet wide. Eight short stone pedestals stand against the walls of this large chamber. All manner of valuables, from ancient scrolls to chests to art objects to weapons to strange bejeweled devices, sit upon the various pedestals. The far wall contains a hieroglyphic depiction, not of hieroglyphic words, but an actual dep depiction of a tall, regal-looking figure with a phronic beard and wearing the twin headdress, the two crowns of Osirian. Opposite of him, slightly smaller, Although, again, the Osirian used the, uh, I can't remember the proper term for that, where an individual of higher station or more importance is made larger than the other, so it's not an actual depiction of two individuals' height, so much as this one was drawn larger because they're more important. A slightly smaller figure, painted entirely black, stands opposite, with what appears to be an axe in one hand and accepting something from the pharaonic figure across from him. Above this are hieroglyphs that denote this chamber as the treasure vault of Tefnaju. Oh, okay. We've found his loot. Let's give it back to him. Uh, he, he can't come in here. Which makes it an ideal place to keep his treasures. There may not be any treasure at all in here. Oh, you think it is uh, a trap? Yes. I think it's his payment. I mean, maybe, but he wouldn't even know to look for these. He, he can't, can't come, come in, in here. here. And it's the whole I, joke. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, that's what I think Hakatep was going for. He, he seems like he's not a very nice guy. So. so I've tricked you into staying here pretty much forever. And oh yeah, you also can't get the stuff I promised you as payment. Well, I can check it for traps and then let's I mean, bring in his well treasure. Might as well see if it's illusory. I mean, if not, it might be useful to us. Or it could also be it was just in here for safekeeping. And when Tefnaju's freed, he can come into the structures. I mean, that was my assumption. But this, this wall was hidden, so he wouldn't be able to find it. Hmm. Well, I check it for traps. You don't immediately see any traps. I don't like the way you said that. <laughs> it's up to you if you wish to search the room. Yeah, I mean, I yes. guess search and figure out what all is in here. Do some right. detect magicking. Yeah, scan it with magic. See if any of it's actually real. What do you guys get taking 10 on spellcraft or praise? I guess 33. who has the highest of praise? I get a 33 on spellcraft. I get a okay. 31 on spellcraft to identify. Appraise, I have a zero. Appraise, I get a 22. Yeah, appraise, I get a 17. I get a 20 on appraise. Okay. Searching the room. 
stepping in, beginning to look around. This room has is a collection of both treasure and curiosities. These include a single chest of unstamped gold coins, 7,000 gold pieces in all, filling up this wow. large chest. There are two drums nearby, cracking of open, which seem to contain water, despite the age of this place. Anyone that wishes to make uh, knowledge the planes may. Oh, I have that. Mm, I roll meh. I roll three for a 26. With a 26, leaning down, not smelling the water because it doesn't smell. Just kind of dipping a finger in, tasting it a little bit. It is incredibly pure. To the point that you think that this must come from the wellspring of the elemental plane of water. Oh, wow. That's that good, clean spring water. There's a single puzzle box, uh, although it does require a disabled device or an intelligence check to actually figure out the puzzle. You don't know what's inside of it, although it doesn't detect as magic. So all, all of these things, though, are real. Everything that you're picking up is real. Okay. Just a bunch of water. There are seven bottles of uh, scented massage oil, a small-sized masterwork kopesh, there's a wand of which you can identify as a wand of magic missile, caster level 7th, 22 charges remaining. Oh. As an interesting side note, because uh, you actually get high enough ticking tin on a spellcraft to realize that it doesn't function properly. Huh. It only functions during the daylight hours. Huh. Wait, the wand? Weird. The wand only functions during daylight hours. This is some effed up treasure. Yeah, you don't have to be in sunlight, but it only functions while the sun is in the sky. This feels weird, y'all. Uh, anyone that wishes to make me an old nature may. Uh, I mean, I rolled 10 for a 26. I rolled a 17 for a 40. There we go. Uh, Masika, you find a collection of seven uh, acorns. These are trant acorns. <gasps> if they are planted, they would grow trant, except for they are petrified. Oh. If someone oh. were to cast regeneration on these, it would actually restore them, at which point they could be planted and grow trants. <gasps> uh, as a side note, the trants grown from these are actually palms and not standard. Ah, uh, cool. Like That's other so treants cute. From Can I regenerate these and Okay, you you are saying treant, correct? Like treant. Yeah. Treant. Yeah. 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 Okay, I just wanted to make sure because you're saying it so fast. I'm like, okay, th uh, these are like the awesome things I think they are, right? <laughs> yeah, the tree yes. people. Treeple. Yes, the palm version of tree beard. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my gosh, do we have regenerate? We should cast regenerate on these eventually and plant them. Technically, they belong to Tefnaju. Well, we I should know. tell him to plant them. You also find a book. Book. The book radiates a strong aura of evocation. Uh -oh. Although you're unable to determine exactly what it does. It's trapped. The tome itself is written in ancient Osiriani and appears to be a book of riddles and puzzles. Don't open that. You're oh. under the impression you may be able to actually unlock what it does if you can solve all the riddles and puzzles. Oh, God. Whatever harm came from reading a book. Uh, mechanically speaking, it takes eight hours to attempt, at which point it requires an intelligence or linguistics check to attempt to solve. Do you right, remember the whole Ereshkigal, we'll knowing the stuff of Ereshkigal drove you insane? It's not like, titled Ereshkigal's Riddles. Also, it's a mummy reference. <laughs> well, yes, but the riddles aren't. Hollis puts the book in her bag for reading later. She'll tell him about it. We can read yep. it together. You find an extraordinarily beautiful decorative mask of Bastet. Uh, if placed upon the wearer's face, it acts as goggles of the night. Ooh. Oh, cool. Giving so the wearer cool. dark vision. That's cool. You also find a plus two thundering flell Ooh. and a suit of crocodile hide armor, of black crocodile hide armor. Wow. Uh, anyone that wishes to make a knowledge nature check may do so. This time I only roll a 10 
for a, tw uh, for a 33. Masika, you're aware that this comes from a type of crocodile known as a Hetkosu. The Hetkosu is a type of crocodile only known to inhabit the Sphinx River. They pose a constant threat to travelers and those who make their livelihoods along the river. They're basically everything that a crocodile is, except for 30 feet long and about 45,000 pounds. Wow. Uh, oh, they're, they're like placid, like placid. size. Yes, they, okay. are, they are gargantuan crocodiles. <laughs> wow. In the case of this armor, however, this armor has been enchanted to, in essence, function as rhino hide, meaning that it is a plus two set of hide armor that grants a plus two enhancement bonus to the uh, to AC and a minus one armor check penalty and deals an additional 2d6 points of damage on any successful charge attack. <laughs> wow. Wow. Definitely you would look rad in this. In addition to that, there is a, uh, a single box off towards the side. This does not appear to be part of the treasure. Yeah. It's almost as if somebody just needed a storeroom and happened to <laughs> have stored this box in here. Rude. Uh, opening this, for anyone that speaks of ancient Osiriani, which I believe is all of you. All of us. All of us. Uh, you can tell that there are three collections of papers in here. The first appear to be noble Osirian family records dating from translating the dates to the time of Hakatap over 6,000 years ago. Hmm. Uh, most of these, you can only kind of glance over them right now. It'd take a couple of hours of study to figure them out entirely. Look like they're tra tracing various family lines, including that of Hakatap's. Oh. And seem to be following a number of different family lines. Uh, importantly, it does talk about both Hakatap himself, as well as mentioning his marriage uh, to hmm. the priestess, uh, Neferuset. Uh, as well as the birth and death of his son, Hekmothus. Aww. Oh, how old is his son, did they say? Uh, his son was born in negative 1632 and dies in negative 1614. So 18 years old. Oh. Hmm. You don't see any other names after that connected to Hakatep and his wife. So who takes over or something? Yeah. Uh, it seems like the decision then went uh, to the son of his brother. But not the brother. Maybe the brother was already dead. Uh, it does list the brother's death as being before that. Ah, okay. Uh, secondly, uh, <laughs> probably somewhat less interest is uh, you do find tax records. Oh, taxes. Meh. Yeah, you never know. Poco. The only thing glancing over this that seems to be of great interest is a great deal of money was funded into the military and a massive sums of money were funded into the construction of the Kepsutanum. Oh, okay. That's Makes sense considering how big it is. The last one that you find, which would maybe more interest to Hollis, uh, are a large collection of nearly identical paperwork. Some of them range in length, as in if some of them have additional addendums added onto them, all of which appear to be over a thousand binding contracts between Hakatep and various elementals. Wow. Oh, can we use those for something? Like ripping them up? Does that free anybody? I don't know. Uh, unfortunately, ripping them up doesn't free anyone. Yeah, it, I don't think it's like an infernal contract or anything. I don't like know, that. just a, well, just ripping a, up an infernal contract doesn't free anyone either because you have to rip. You'd have to destroy well, yeah, the one. Destroy hell. Also. Copies, yeah. Of interest here, there are two of them that are particularly long. Oh. The first one is for Tefnaju. Hey, Tefnaju. Which is very long. Hey, we can see what he can and can't do though. Yeah. The second one is for a figure referred to as Beken Tofra. Does anybody recognize this name? Beck and Tolfra? Could just no. be coincidental. What's the contract for? Uh, it seems to be another binding contract. You may make either a uh, knowledge of the planes or linguistics check. Hey, I can make that. I'm going to go with planes because it's better for me. Um, I roll a 14 for a 37. 
I rolled a 12 for a 19 linguistics. I roll a 16 for a 22 linguistics. I guess I'll roll linguistics even though I'm not good with words. I roll a 5 for a 10 linguistics. Oh. Sudi's trying his best. I'll also allow anyone that wishes to make me a knowledge history or knowledge of the planes as well. History. Okay, knowledge of planes is better, so I'm going to roll a 10 for a 33. Uh, I roll a perfect 20 for a 27 knowledge history. So first off, pertaining towards the name itself, uh, both Hollis and surprisingly Sudi. Hey! Recognize the legendary elemental Beckentolfra's name. Oh. Beckentofra is widely known to have served numerous pharaohs, usually on a contractual basis, huh. and is known to have been an elder earth elemental of magnificent power. Holy crap. Cool. Okay. Another friend. An elder? Yep. He's a he's a powerful enough earth elemental to have a name. He's a powerful enough earth elemental to have a name and to be basically considered to be a step above even the other elder earth elementals of his plane. Wow. Oh, dang. Uh, he was known to have assisted in numerous uh, early constructions for various necropoli, as well as pyramids for some of the earlier pharaohs during he the probably first build this dynasty. Place. Probably, yeah. Sudi, you're aware of the historical nature of it. Hollis, you're aware that, from what you understand, Beckentofra was one of the most powerful of the earth elementals of ages past, and then just kind of disappeared from the history books about 6,000 years ago. Oh, I wonder if he's been imprisoned here. Like Tefnazu. Mm. Taking a few minutes out and reading over the contract here, this contract is very odd. This is a contract between Hakatep and Elder Earth Elemental Bekentofra, but there is no magical compulsion. Hmm. In fact, there are no spells attached to this contract. Instead, from what you can tell, it seems like Hakatep appealed to Bekentofra's sense of pride, requiring that the or tasking Beckentofra with keeping track of what re is referred to here as the Sand Cascade, hmm. as he is the only being capable of maintaining it. It seems like Beckentofra agreed to, under no okay. magical compulsion. Weird. What is the Sand Cascade? You have no idea. Um, however, it does simply state here, um, responsible for every grain of the Sand Cascade, ensuring all grains go accounted for and that none are lost. Uh, Hollis, I will also state with your uh, knowledge of the planes. What do you get taking, Ten? 33. You know that Earth elementals are literally Earth. And their abilities, and honestly, even their thought processes, do not correspond in any way with mortal thought processes. One of the hardest things of dealing with extraplanar creatures is because, even as an elf, you cannot actually contemplate eternity. You yeah, can't no. understand it or grasp it. But in this case, what seems to be a ridiculous an indeterminate amount of time for him to keep track of this would seem like a blink of an eye of a creature that may have been around since the foundation of the universe. Yeah. What would cripple most other minds with this repetitiveness of apparently keeping track of every grain of sand for whatever the sand cascade is could honestly be a task barely considered huh. a side thought for a creature like this. Uh, it does state in here that anyone who disturbs so much as a single grain of sand falls into Beckentofra's purview as an interloper. We should ask uh, Tefnishu uh, if he knows what the sand cascade is. And if possible, avoid it. If yeah, you Beck don't want to kick any sand there. grains, because I really don't want to have to fight with Beck and Tofra. I mean, then the earth elemental that's been given the name? Something to be feared. I'm sure they all have names. But most people who bring them to this world don't know them. This isn't even a magical, like, contact a plane and be like, hey, buddy do it or else, here's some magic to make you do it. This is a, 
hey, buddy, let me convince you with my words to come over here and do it type situation. Wait, this isn't a magical contract? Nah. That's weird. It's a little weird. Isn't but it? But, I mean, I don't know. Earth elementals are a little weird. Yeah, Sudi also knows from personal experiencing experience that anchoring an earth elemental creature is not a very good thing. Well, it's, very it's one of those memories. things that, like, Sudi's <laughs> like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This isn't a magical contract. Why the heck would this guy do this? These guys don't pride. like being here. Apparently pride. But, yeah, we don't want to disturb sand in the sand uh, cascade or else we're interlopers. And I really don't want to be an interloper that's getting squished by an elder elemental. Uh, and also, all of you would be somewhat aware that this is, of course, not the first time that Hakatep did that, because Hakatep appealed to the same thing with Tefnish Yu. He appealed yeah. to his pride of Earth overcoming the sky and bringing down the Shori aromancy. Yeah, basically. but Tefnish Yu's contract is magic. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. Anything yeah. interesting in his contract, I guess? Yeah, it'd only take 2d6 minutes to look over it, so I'll say it takes Hollis six minutes. You may make a linguistic check if you so wish. I roll a 13 for a 24. Uh, with a 24? Mm. Yep, this goes over all of the terms of the binding that's, that binds Tefnaju to the site. Uh, it states that he must remain the guardian of the site until the first time that Hakatep uses it to overcome the aromancy of a Shori city or fortress. Mm. Uh, at which point the treasure stored in this room will be turned over to the Shaitan as payments for services rendered. Is the treasure in here even worth that much? I mean, it's worth a fair amount. I mean, it's yeah, worth. Didn't he yeah. promise him like riches More beyond, riches yeah, beyond, yeah, beyond his imagination? Riches beyond his imagination. Yes, he did. Yeah. Huh. So well, somebody wasn't Jew got scammed in multiple ways. Yeah. Yeah, and again, in here it does not state the treasures. It simply states, "quote The treasure is held in the vault of Tefnaju." Mm-hmm. And by naming it that, it sounds more grandiose than it actually is. Looking this over, you are uh, you are fairly certain that if the slave trenches are used to pull down any object powered by Shori magic, the strictures of the contract would be considered fulfilled. So this right. does confirm okay. your suspicion that you should be able to free Tefnaju by activating the slave trenches. All right, I guess we'll tuck those documents away for now. So the most important question is, do we want to keep this or give it to Tefnaju? It's his property. I say we ask Tefnaju if he even wants it. Yes, I think it would be wise to bring it to his attention. I want to read his book. I hold up the riddle book. <laughs> All right, second question. Do we want to go ahead and retrieve the bodies? That, and we should see what else is in that room. Treasure. There might be more clues to how to activate the... Capsule on them. There you go. I'm pretty sure you just put this on there. I just, uh, you know. I have a feeling it's not going to be that simple. You remember talking to Chisisek, right? True, but Chisisek's not the one that would activate it. Yes, but he designed this entire place. Seems like a slot that's the right size. I think that's the right size. But I do want to go look in them treasure boxes. Bodies first. That way we don't have to deal with any more hunts. Well, we'll gather them up on the way to the well, room. Well, that does answer our, uh, ask out our last question. Hollis, do you have another means of getting us out of that room if some other trap trips? I have a dimension door, but that's a lot scarier because I don't know how deep that tunnel is. But there wasn't a trap. There was just them horrifying light monsters. Well, I mean, there could be other things. We don't know. Cursed objects or something. I don't know. Oh, well, that's a whole different can of worms. All right. Well, let's do it then. So I suppose first question is, how are you getting by the Guardians of Set? We're, We're doing the same thing because I have fly time left. Okay. Have they repositioned themselves, I guess, would be the thing to affect our strategy. Because if they're right over the hole, we may provoke just by well, going Well, there's other there. holes, depending on where they are. 
Is someone scouting? You guys just walking around the corner? What are you doing? Citra. Citra, look, look around the corner. <laughs> Be sneaky. Citra looks around the corner. Go ahead, make me a cell check. I rolled an eight for 30. Oh, they've all gathered. Seems like they're still surrounding the hole from when we, we first went down. Or from when the shining children came up. Either yeah. way. Which begs the question, why didn't they follow the shining children like they did for us when we started messing with that? The shining Remember? children didn't go uh, try to disable anything. Well, we heard them move, didn't you, when the shining children went through? Maybe the attack of opportunity them. Or could they just turn their heads? <laughs> oh, yeah. Because they did that before we did anything, too. Or maybe they're specifically told things going in, not going out. Either way, um, it's going to be difficult to get past them. I don't have enough invisibility for everybody, but wouldn't that be cool? It would be cool, but we also <laughs> don't have enough resources to fight four of these things after we, the whooping they gave us earlier. I mean, the last time they went back to their original spots, so we may need to just wait them out for a little bit. What we could do, I have one dimension door. I could dimension door us to the underside of that room. Nope, bad idea. I would prefer we save it for a hasty retreat. Well, we I could also then just sleep. Yeah, what what time of day is it anyway? We've had a bit of a day. It's not that it's late. It's not that late. Day. Like, honestly, we've probably only been in this place an hour. <laughs> uh, and it's only a little bit past noon right now. Oh, we could go out and talk to Tefnaju and tell him about this stuff and see if they reset by the time we're done with that. Is he out there? Yeah, he's sitting he's outside sitting the door. He's sitting outside the entrance waiting oh, for right. us. Oh, Okay. <laughs> We could shin Shitra alone. I would rather not. We could just hop down the hole and hope they don't hit us. I don't know. What would all of you like to do? Oh, we need to get the skeletons regardless because the haunts are going to reset eventually yeah. too. Usually that's within like, usually ghosts take 24 hours or more, but. Well, but yet one, we don't know. And two, Sudi as a Phrasman follower would like to deal with that. But I'm just saying sleeping and then coming back tomorrow might just ha give the haunts enough time to reset. Is yeah, what I'm no, to for say. sure. Well, we're going to have to get down there, and the only way down there Well, that's what I'm saying. Let's uh, go talk to Teffy Boy over here, see if they reset, and if they don't, then we'll use the Dimension Door to get down. Okay. Mm. Yeah, so you can make your way outside if you so wish. Yep. I guess uh, give him his contract. Making your way down the hallway, stepping outside. Funny enough, you know, probably anticipating as you have explored so many places up until this point, you know, the blinding light of the sun before stepping outside and realizing it's darker outside because you're in the shadow of the slave trenches than it was actually inside of the blazing bright light of the mm. tomb that you'd been in. Tefnaju sits on one of the few rocks that come up over the small amount of sand and dust that have collected down here inside of the trenches. No higher than about a foot or so. Legs folded underneath him. Arms resting, forearms resting on his knees. It seems that he has drawn numerous concentric circles around him in the sand and dust, radiating outwards like ripples from a pool of water. Hmm. He also seems to have rearranged numerous rocks, approximately fist size, some a little larger. Are we sure he's not related to Norma? Yeah. <laughs> These also have small concentric rings that sometimes overlap with the ones surrounding the stone that he's sitting upon, giving an odd look like a central figure surrounded by satellites circling him. It's a little zen garden. What do the symbols mean? Nothing, but the stones like them. Hmm. Tefnaju opens an eye. Narmer, you should, you should introduce Rocky. I <laughs> should. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean the stones like them? Everything has a natural order. Creatures of this plane come 
They move stones to where they would not like to be. Some stones are willing to move. Some prefer places of prominence. Like some people prefer positions of prominence. Some. He glances towards a small rock that sits in a satellite position. Some prefer solitude. Is Tefnaju related to Ludo? Tefnaju is an earth elemental and can talk to rocks. (laughs) I love rocks. Tefnaju manages to hook his feet and then do that, like, going from a folded leg position into a slow rotation as he stands up without using his hands before turning to face all of you. Oh, we've made some interesting discoveries inside. Starting with your contract. I hand that over. He reaches out a hand, takes it, smiles, and what you can only consider to be a somewhat sardonic smile. Mm. Like someone looking back on a picture of themselves from right before they did something stupid when they were younger. Mm. Mm. It looks familiar. Although I'll admit, I paid it very little attention when I signed it the first time. Yeah, that's... Oh, you want to tell him? I was going to say, we also found a alcove called Tefnaju's Treasure Vault. Yes. Hakatep informed me that it would be there. What treasures did he promise you exactly? Treasures enough to fill a pyramid. Uh, well, we didn't find enough to fill a pyramid, but this is what a we did find. Small pyramid. Small. I guess we can, like, show him the things yeah, we found. Yeah, tell him what we found. <laughs> we pull out this little pile of stuff. Mm-hmm. He takes a half step back. Interesting. Keep those some distance from me. Okay. I would not like to accidentally come in contact with them and seemingly by doing so violate my contract. Oh, that's understandable. Ah, uh, yes. We will hold on to them for safekeeping then. They are not mine. read this book? Not yet. I cannot answer that question. Oh. Technically, these objects are promised to me, but I have not fulfilled my contract yet. Okay, well, we can just go put them back, or would you rather just leave them here? Well, they'll be safer if they're not in the open. You may use them, as they do not belong to me. But upon completion of this task, they shall. I will grant each of you one object from the treasure vault as compensation. Although I cannot officially grant that to you now, as they do not belong to me. Hmm. You may each take one object. Hollis huddles the book. Yes. You should make sure Rocky's okay traveling with you. That's true. This is Rocky. He opens up his chest (laughs) thing, sends it. (laughs) The shaitan leans down, takes one Uh knee. Uh Uh-oh. Just kind of with one finger, the size of Narmer's flipper. <laughs> Pushes his flipper and rock out of the way, gently, and stares into the open chest cavity. You gotta stop flashing people. The stone comes from the opal vaults. Oh, that's, that's my magic stone. It's also my heart and a source of all of my power. Please don't take it. The where? <laughs> the opal vaults. It was found in Cheesy Sex Workshop, wasn't it, Masika? Mm, yep. Most recently. It was powering a, uh, a metal sage, a creation Cheesy Sex never finished. And when I got trapped there when I was a child, it helped me make Narmer. I see. And Cheesy Sex said when we talked to him that only someone of his bloodline would be able to use the stone. It explains some things. Like what? How your little clockwork man speaks and thinks. What's the Opal Vault? The Opal Vault is, was, perhaps still is, near my home in the great empire on the plain of Earth. Huh. 
Their diamonds and emeralds and rubies grow like trees. It is a sacred place. I do not ha know how the architect found this stone. Each and every stone there, much like the stones here, he gestures back, have a spirit and a mind. Perhaps the spirit of this. He reaches in and gently touches the stone. Narmer does like the pillboy doze, Pillsbury doughboy. Uh, no. He probably would. Probably does. It is perhaps the spirit inside of this is the spirit inside of you. Show. He turns back, looks at Masika, looks at Sudi. We are Stone Brothers. Sudi, like, puts out a little fist for him to bump. He bumps it with his little flipper. Sudi smiles, like, yeah. Yeah, bro. So basically, I'm like, I'm like a little earth elemental inside of a mech chute. <laughs> I mean, sure. That's wrong. It probably explains where your nature powers come from. He glances down towards Masika. Well, they come from Narmer. Yes. Not from the clockwork mechanism, but from this direct connection to the plane of Earth. Hmm. It doesn't explain all the lightning. But oh, well. <laughs> Narmer, stop pointing out our plot holes. <laughs> Can, do you also know if um, Beck and Tofra is around here or where the, the sand cascade might be? Because I have his contract, too. Beck and Tofra. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yes, I know where Beck and Topher is. We don't want to cross What business him. do you have with him? Not really, just mostly we don't want to accidentally disturb his sand, sand cascade. Or whatever that is. You may have to deal with him regardless. Oh, man. Uh-oh. But that is putting the... How do you say here? The cart before the horse. Yes. So what's the sand cascade? It is a defense of a sort. The defense or a monument, if you wish. You'll have to deal with it if you wish to enter the Sacrofinet. Oh, that's our next stop. Oh, nuts. Well, we gotta yes. figure out this place first. Again, your elven companion is correct. Can One you talk to Beckon Tofra and be like, hey, these people are cool? His, to his tone said no. <laughs> we have spoken in the past, but he is... A jerk. Difficult to communicate with. Every stone has its own personality. Mm. His is stubborn and immovable. Well, that makes sense with an Ilda. What about Rocky? I'm very curious about this for some reason. No, <laughs> no, we're like, what are you doing? <laughs> he likes the song of the stone. That makes sense, since it's from the earth plane. And also I sing quietly to myself when no one's listening. It's not that quiet. <laughs> you are not done here then no, no unfortunately not we got into some trouble with some ghosts and some shining children are you needing to find a place to rest or are you returning after this we'll probably need to rest but we're just waiting for those golems to kind Reset. of yeah I can provide you safe sanctuary he glances up towards the sky. If we leave before another hour or two passes, we should be able to make it before sunset. That's when the bad things come out. The bird. Yes. Big old scared bird that eats people. Yeah. The what bird. I'm saying is he's saying that like if we leave in an hour or two. So how far does he live away? Yeah, it's far, I think. If one can simply walk through the stone, it is only a matter of a few miles. Ah, if one okay. has to navigate the trenches, it may take us four or five hours. 
Dang! Okay. This place is massive. One thing at a time. Honestly, I prefer a safe place to sleep with Tefnaju, and I kind of want to meet his wife. She sounds cool. Yeah, but are we going to have to walk another five hours or whatever back? Like, that feels like a lot of walking. Anyway. Uh, okay, so real quick housekeeping. Who's taking what out of the treasure so that I mark down who has it and that it's Tefnaju? I'm taking the riddle book, even though I want one sip of water. But I'm going to wait till he gets the treasure, and then I'll ask him for one sip Does of water. Does the water from the elemental plane do anything, or is it just really nice water? It just seems like really nice water, as far as all of your respective appraise checks are concerned. But I want a sip of it, but I'll wait until he gets his treasure and I'll ask him for a sip of it. What else was there? There was that and the wand and the armor and the flail, right? Well, as a side note, like, I mean, you still haven't actually determined what the book even does, so you might be able to actually read the riddle book before you know what it does. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, I'm going to read the riddle book first. The same as there's a puzzle box that you guys haven't opened yet that you don't even know what's inside of it, because you'd have to either make an intelligence roll to solve the puzzle box or a disabled device check. Well, I assume we take everything back inside anyway, so... Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just wondering which ones, so if people write stuff down on well, there... Well, we want to um, read the book and open the puzzle box before we decide. Yeah, I kind of want to see if okay. I can't disable device that. But it takes eight okay. hours to read the book, so that's. I'm going to assume most of this um, stuff is um, is being. Well, Tefton Jew seems yeah, like he's going to take it. So. Okay, no, that's totally fine. He did. He did say. I we mean, to be fair, he has been doing his job for six thousand years. <laughs> yeah, he did tell us we could keep one item out of one item a piece. I want to see what's in the puzzle box. Hmm? Yeah, can we so go we'll ahead take and open those it? Or open them. Oh, I don't I mean, know. Something stopping us. Yeah, I mean, it takes uh, 1d10 time, or 1d6 times 10 minutes to attempt to solve the puzzle box. So Maybe up to an minutes. hour. Anywhere between 10 minutes and an hour to try to solve it. Okay. That's it's up to you if you want to do that now, or if you want to... I, I think I can hold off. I think getting these bodies out from the basement is more important. There might be something okay. cool in the final room, too, because we didn't get to look at those two magical chests. Uh, so you're trying to just do a rush past the... Golems. Yeah, if they've reset, we're going to just run and jump in the hole like we did last time. They have not reset. We may have to run and jump in the hole anyway, because I only have one dimension door, and how are we going to get out of here? Yeah, I, I would prefer to use that for an emergency escape if we need it. I mean, mechanically speaking, you're basically saying, are, my question is, are you all wanting to run in there, jump in the holes, and just take an attack of opportunity? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Well, actually, sure. one person is going to take a bunch of attacks uh, of opportunity. Uh, how many? Yeah, I was going to say, one person is going to take all the attacks of opportunity. Whoever chooses to run in first is going to take two attacks of opportunity regardless of which way they go. Whoever runs in second is going to take an attack of opportunity. Whoever runs in third will take an additional attack of opportunity, unless you all jump in the same hole, at which point only three attacks of opportunity will happen. We're so. jumping in the same hole. I figure Citra and Sudi will jump in the first two. Well, who's got yeah. the highest armor class? I have a 30. I have a 34. I'll go first. Oh, there you go. <laughs> okay. So, uh... Masika first, me second, Sudi third. Sudi third. Uh, Hollis, Hollis will hopefully take no hits. Okay. Everybody get your flying flying abilities so ready. So all of you charge around the corner, Masika taking points, Citra immediately behind, Sudi and Hollis pulling up the rear. Uh, two attacks on Masika as she goes running by them. That's a 32 and a 38. The 38 will hit. But I haven't used my healing hex on myself, so I can always heal myself back up. Uh, so you are stabbed for 22 points of regular damage, 5 points Ow. of electricity as one of the spears strikes you as you rush past. Uh, another one comes at Citra with a 35. 36, yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Starting to think this was a bad plan. Oh, yeah. No. Well, you knew you were going to get stabbed once. <laughs> there was no good plan in this situation. Uh, 19 points of regular damage, 5 points of electricity damage. 
And both of you are bleeding. Great. All of you would rush forward, leap down, plunge through the hole. Um, I'm going to assume you're going to need at least two rounds of flying since you can't activate them beforehand. I can because I can, it's a minute per. I have overland flight. Is. Yeah. And how is Citra flying down? I'm using my scimitar. Okay. So it'll take two rounds from your scimitar. Hollis has overland flight. Masika's lasts for one minute. and uh, Mine are three boots. times per day up to five minutes. So Okay, so you're using okay. a second charge off of your boots. Well, I have 13 uh, yep. minutes, so I used one minute earlier, so I'm using another minute, so I have mm. 12 le- or I have okay. 11 left. Which means it'll get back around to Masika. Masika will take two points of bleed damage before she can do anything else. Okay, then I guess I use my healing hex on myself. Okay, and then Citra will take two points of bleed damage before Masika can go again. Roll a 19 for a 34 on a heal check to get Citra to stop bleeding on my next turn. Okay, so you can stop her bleeding. Which means all of you are injured, but down there. So basically you rush around the corner, leap forward. The golems start up turning, immediately stabbing forward viciously with their spears. As uh, Masika takes one hit, Citra takes another as Sudi and Hollis duck and roll back behind them before diving through the hole. All of you plunge down into the darkness below. Yeah, one of the golems thinking that may have an angle throws a spear, which doesn't actually have an angle on all of you before it flashes and returns back to their hands. And then you land down below with that uncomfortable feeling like like fish underneath an ice fissure, <laughs> just waiting at the hole. All right, let's hurry up and get those bodies and check that room. All right, I suppose room first, and then we can clear everybody out on their way out. Okay, yeah, but I guess we will make our way back to the room where we found the onk. The room where okay. it happens, one might say. Yes. You navigate your way through the green lit halls, past the various dead bodies, watching them probably warily. Still carrying the onk, by the way. Yeah. Still carrying the onk. In case there's any light. other secret passages that open up when the light of this plays on it. You descend down steadily passing by the various skeletal remains until you eventually return and enter back into the chamber where you'd found the lantern. Again, stepping back in here, there's a central circular dais of black stone upon which the lantern had previously been set. A square podium made from the same black stone at a level of height and level and height with where the Ankh was. A long-legged chest made of golden wood sitting against the wall off towards your left-hand side atop a low stone slab. The top of the chest carved with the image of a winged scarab. The ceiling above is still aglow with brilliant light, although now, strangely, you can actually see above it. Yeah, to where the actual ceiling is. Yeah. You said the both the chest and then the podium next to the one that the Ankh was on are magical, right? Yes. Masika and I high-five and then split up to go detect magic on things. Uh, Citra uh, basically mom-arms you and says, let me check for traps again. I mean, all right. I'd like to do another sweep just to be safe. Okay. What are you checking? Just anything in the room. Everything. (laughs) Your trap spotter goes with your previous result. Okay. From what I can tell, you're free to explore. Woohoo. Now Masika and I high-five and split up. So the uh, the shining children, they were in some kind of a ceiling. alcove or something above us, right? You can tell that the ceiling in here, which you thought was probably 30 feet high, was actually 40 feet high. You don't know why you couldn't see them before, although it's quite possible Hollis having made the... Well, they don't. Oh. But Hollis was aware that they also had, like, illusionary terrain spells mm. and major images, and there could have been any number of illusions up there. Mm. On top so, of a wall of force, possibly. Yeah, so honestly, they're probably just, like... 
it's just like an open error there. There's no like, you know, alcove or anything to check. Yeah, I mean, you can see up there now and you don't see any. It, the ceiling just goes up to a height of 40 feet. Okay. Heather, do you want to look at the long box? Or yeah, the I'm going to go to the podium just All to right. try to figure out if there's anything, how this onk works. I'll do the long box then. Okay. Sudi Citra, there's the... Um, so, sorry, are you checking the podium or the dais? The dais is the circular area. The podium is the square area. The rectangle I'm checking the square area because the podium didn't seem to do anything when we took the onk, so... Okay. We'll check that next. Mm, I suppose I'm just going to watch the uh, watch our backs in the only entrance to this room. Wait, no. Actually, I'm going to search for any hidden uh, rooms, like if there's anything else in here. An even greater secret. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead and just make me one perception check, and we'll just assume that's what you're running with. Or you can okay. take time. I rolled a 15 for a 38. Okay. Nice. There's probably nothing else here, but we've done enough tomb robbing to know about false tombs. Not a tomb. There's a tomb for a bunch of people. Who are you, who it's are you a kidding? Gra- it's a mass grave, but it's not a tomb. What's the difference? There's no sarcophagus. Intentionality. Sarcophagus. All right, so Hollis, go ahead and make me a spellcraft check. Masika, go ahead and make me a spellcraft check. Citra, go ahead and make me a linguistics check. I'm just going to roll perfectly average uh, for 33. Is this to identify a magic item? Roughly, oh. yeah. Then a 35, because I'm an elf. Uh, I roll a 15, which gets me a 32, and then I get a plus four from one of my spirits, so a 36. I rolled a three for a 10 linguistics. Citra don't know nothing. Good job. Nice. Okay. Thinking about that puzzle box. So, <laughs> a couple of things. So, Sudi, you begin circling around the outside of the room. Hollis, you lean down, spend a couple rounds, look over this chest. You're able to identify this chest. The chest itself is magical. Strong transmutation magic. Mm. This is a chest of keeping. Oh, that's nice. It is a large container capable of holding up to 1,000 pounds of contents with wow. a volume limit of 150 cubic feet. Wow. While the chest lid is closed, the contents are preserved so that they resist the passage of time and do not decay. Oh, Oh, wow. Living creatures placed inside of the chest have no need to eat or drink, but they do age normally. Hmm. The chest is airtight. And uh, when the lid is closed, with enough air to last a living creature up to 10 minutes before it suffocates. So it's kind of Mad-Eye Moody's trunk a little bit, is what I'm imagining. Very cool. Once the lid is closed, a chest of keeping can be folded compacting <gasps> down to the size of a typical loaf of bread. That's so cool. What? When the chest is compressed in this way, its contents do not add to the chest's standard weight of 10 pounds as they are shunted into an extra-dimensional space for storage. Uh, I could That's call my books rad. in here. Uh, folding or unfolding a chest of keeping is a full-round action, and a chest of keeping cannot be opened when it is folded. Cool. How much is it worth? 9,000 gold. What's in it? What's in it? You wish to open it? Yes. Yeah, I open it. It'll be a good place to put the bodies in on the way out of here. Yes, well, actually, it's full, perfect. Y'all. It might be full. Uh, Citra, in the meantime, you can tell that there are hieroglyphs covering the entire surface of this stone. Uh, it's difficult to decipher them. One, because of just time. Although, considering that they've been kept down here, it's rather well-preserved. Two, because the reliefs are extraordinarily complex. Their subject matter, at the very least, is. Masika, looking over the podium. Yep. This podium radiates strong magic, uh, divinatory and transmutation. Ooh. The podium is completely blank, with the exception of an octagonal depression 
in the very center of it, approximately six inches across on each side. It needs the key from the Book of the Dead. You can tell that this, whatever this does, requires some sort of key or activation item. Making your way forward and looking it over. Yeah, without the key or the activation, you can't be entirely positive what it does. Well, this has transmutation and divination magic, but I need the key. She taps the indentation. Well, this is a foldable treasure box. Maybe they put the key in here. It's an odd-looking key. If not, I can cast vision and maybe figure out where or what the key is so we can keep an eye out for it. Well, you may need that for the... I shake the onk at you. Okay. Uh, Citra, go ahead and make me a perception roll. Yay, good roll. Am I adding any sort of trappy thing to this? Why not? Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Rolled an 18 for 41. That better see it. Suda, you basically circled about halfway across the room. Citra, oh, you kind of look us. over this and go, okay, well... I can't really determine much. You can hear Masika and Hollis bantering from your left and right as you're looking over the podium. Hollis does the whole like, you know, maybe there's some, maybe there's something inside of this. Mm-hmm. As Hollis starts opening it, you glance over, see the barest edge of a rune carved into the inside lid of this. As you dive, shove Hollis aside and slam the lid back closed. Ah, ah, rune, dangerous. Oh, I gotta say, I love that. That's real messed up. <sighs> Uh, except I don't want it to. Can you make it go away without hurting the box? <laughs> My precious box. It folds. Uh, to the size of a loaf of bread. That's a really weird I'll chest. See what I can do? Yeah. Yeah, so am I able to, like... Yeah, you can attempt a disable device. You open it and you, like, scribble with your, without looking. <laughs> you feel. Okay, okay. There's a 15. Okay. Which is not... I mean, it's above average, so 15... Citra yes. speaks the command word. Her bracers drop off. Has like the world's tiniest little uh, tire jack on there. She kind of cranks up the edge of the chest to not open it all the way. Pulls out one of those little uh, like dentist mirrors on a stick thing. Kind of sticks it in there to look. It's like the kit knew that you might have to do this. 15 for a total of 45. Ah, wow. Rogues. Because I, I get a 24 bonus plus six. Yeah, you start with the 30. High-level rogue. Just you a heck of a bonus. Lean in. Use your mirrors. Kind of fiddle your hand in there. Scratch away at the edge of the rune. Scratch away at the edge of another rune. Scratch away. There's a flash of teal from inside of the box. Eh? And then nothing. I think I got it. All right, you open it, and I'll dispel if something bad happens. Okay. Monster just jumps out. Hello. Citra takes oh, a very deep breath. <laughs> Dude, a giant clockwork coming out of there would be something else, wouldn't it? That'd be cool. Carefully opens the chest. I'm hoping Narmer for another springs out of the chest. Oh. No. <laughs> will get stabbed if that happens. <laughs> Don't surprise I shoot them. in the chest when no one was looking. I'm going to live forever. You're already going to live forever. You're a clockwork powered by an elemental stone. Oh, yeah. Opening the chest. You can see the uh, the rune steadily fading from where it was on the uh, the lid of the chest. What rune chest is sex inside? Uh, I mean, anyone that wants to make a spellcraft can. I can try. No, I have fun with that. I'll take 10 for a 33. <laughs> I rolled a five for a nine. I will use this as a teaching moment. Actually, if you look at this little curvy bit, that's how you know it's the blah, blah, blah. With a 33, you recognize this as a symbol of insanity. Oh, wow. Oh, that was the thing that the 
they could do. They could oh. do symbols of insanity. They could. That'd be real bad. I'm glad you disabled that. Good job on yeah. Oh, I that would have been you super on the shoulder. Bad. I mean, we would have had. We would have been okay for. We'd have to do the whole thing where we like put you in a closet for a while until we. <laughs> yeah, could because a heel. I'd have to. Yeah, because I use both of them to get rid of blindness and. Yeah, it'd be sooty insanity all over again. I was gonna say, see, see our other podcast where we've done this before. <laughs> Oh, See earlier in this podcast when Sudi was insane for an entire episode or two. Wait, that oh, that was this episode. <laughs> that yes. was this one. <laughs> and Masika and I did shenanigans. Yes, we did so much shenanigans. Oh, man. Is there anything in the box? Looking inside, so. there are seven bottles of wine. Oh, wine, y'all. Perfectly preserved 6,000-year-old wine. Seriously? <laughs> he used it as his beer fridge. They're probably very expensive. <laughs> Well, maybe it's magic wine. We find out this is 6,000-year-old, like, newly bottled wine. It's terrible. There are also six black velvet pouches. No pouches. How are we talking? Sitting on the bottom of the box. I'm going to pick up a pouch. There you go. Citra, <laughs> go and make a perception roll. <laughs> There's a second one under there. There's Citra a second freaking me. symbol. Citra go ahead and me. add your trap-finding bonus. <laughs> <laughs> This is why Citra and I have to live together. Nobody would expect to. Love it's a it. different one under here. I thought, I thought Jordan was actually going to expect it because he brought up that one of those creatures could have cast this on the lid. Yes. So the second one could have cast I, another I one I just didn't somewhere. put it together. I was like, wait, there were two of them. They could still cast two. It would be great if you folded up the box and it was just under the box the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Citra rolled a 14 for a 37. Very well. You lightning fast reach out and slap Hollis's hand away. <laughs> what? What's going on Shiny over there? Marble. She's hurting me. <laughs> There's another trap. Oh, it's probably another one of them symbols on account of there were two of them children of the lot. Oh, you know there were two of them. That makes total sense. Narmer, I'm glad we're over here. You look over and Narmer's just like, children of the light. What sweet music they make. Not right, they, not they're better than... Actually, that might be worse than Children of the Don't Corn. Don't ask me how I understood that <laughs> reference. Okay, unfortunately, I didn't roll as well on this disable. Okay. Uh, but still, with my bonuses and everything, I still got a 34. I mean, that's pretty good. Beats the DC by one. <laughs> oh, dang. Guys, I rolled a four. <laughs> dang, High level you. rogues, baby. Oh, Ooh. it's so nice to be a high level rogue. <laughs> you uh, you rinse and repeat from earlier, not looking directly at it, scratching Ooh. away. Finding that, yeah, somebody scribbled another symbol of insanity underneath these pouches. Please be diamonds in these pouches. Please be diamonds. Oh god! Please be, be so the nice. thing that activates this pedestal in those di on those pouches. Oh, there's a bunch of pouches. We also, diamonds one of them. would be nice. Uh, by the way, anyone that wishes to make an appraise check may do so. I will take ten for a twenty-two. I can't even oh. roll that high. Well, rolled a nat twenty for a twenty-seven. Oh yeah. Seeker rolls an eight for an eighteen. Nice. Sudi refuses to roll because he knows he's not good at, at knowing how expensive he things pouts. are. He pouts over there in the corner. <laughs> he's just glad he's not insane right now. <laughs> it would have been me or Citra. So fortunately, Citra won. If these were actually 6,000-year-old bottles of wine, uh, they would have decayed into nothingness. However, these, as you open this, you know, smell inside one of the bottles. You know, kind of take these out. Make sure it's not poison before doing a quick taste. Yeah. Yes, this is ancient wine fit for a pharaoh. <laughs> the pearls already ground up and mixed inside of it. Wow. The, wait, the what's inside of it? Pearls. They grind up pearls and mix them into their wine. Wow, I totally did not know that. Yeah. I feel like that would be horrible for your digestion. 
I'm sure it's it kinda is. Like, it's kind of <laughs> like those like really expensive bottles of liquor right now you can get with gold in them. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. You can, they, they'll put gold stuff on food in really high-end restaurants, that gold flake foil. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, really? We're going to eat gold? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hey, well, you already popped this bottle. We might as well drink it. Uh, each one of the seven bottles are worth 500 gold pieces apiece. Whoa! Everybody we should totally drink a them. Swig. Yeah, we, we have to. You opened it. We have to drink it. That's yeah, really I was going to say, you, you opened it. The, the value is ruined now. I'll press the digitation if it needs to be a chilled wine, but otherwise, we can just drink it as is. It's exceptional. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's it's Hakatep's favorite wine. So, He's... take a nice swig. Let's give some to Tefnaju, too. When we get this out reminds me of Mama Nafra's party. Why? Okay, but why did he stash his favorite wine here? In case he got thirsty. Like, he's going to go, he's gonna, like, the shore you're invading, the shore you're invading. Better pop some bottles, y'all. I'm about to do some magic. It's the celebration. <laughs> like, when you finally when win you the win. war and you pop the bottles. Oh, I guess again, that's true. They don't have champagne. Why here? Well, here you have to weird. go through this tunnel and all this other shenanigans. Well, he knows I where mean, the sea could get through easily. To even activate the uh, the slave trenches, you know, you have to go through this entire thing to uh, get the onk that's to go true, in. That's And you can get some wa- some wine. Yeah, so he's just like, I'm just going to leave some bottles of wine here because I might be thirsty after coming all the way over here and coming down here to get this thing. I like the idea that he would just teleport down here, fold up his little chest, teleport up, about turn this it guy, on. I don't... I suddenly love him. I'm here oh, for life. He's very extra. <laughs> he is very... Uh, he's got... High level spellcaster. We haven't really seen him as like a pharaoh per se, because like he's always been like traveling and stuff in the visions. But like now, I'm imagining he's throwing some ragers, man. Well, high level magic users are always just extra AF, especially. I mean, that's true. Ones. Yeah, I mean, Mage's Magnificent Mansion yeah, is the ultimate they just, flex. They like, just are like that. Yeah. Hollis, what's in these little pouches? Yeah. I reach for one and I look at Citra. Like, are you gonna slap my hand again? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to die or do you want me to slap your hand? I mean, I'll take a slap, but I don't want either of those things. Reaching down, picking up one. Go ahead, bounce me a d6. Mm. Uh-oh, random chance. I rolled a six. It explodes. Ouch. Opening this. My hand. You reach in, you take out a figurine. Oh, it's a figurine. <gasps> it's a the figurine. figurine stands approximately six inches high with a base that from one point to the other of its octagonal base is six inches across. Oh, octagonal. It appears to be a perfect obsidian depiction of a shaitan, of an extraordinarily familiar looking shaitan warrior with an axe. They turned Tefnaju into a a mini. That's weird. Are they all figurines? Is it magic? Uh, You'd have to open the other bags to see if they're all figurines. It is magical. Oh. So you want to run over and open a bag? It's like Christmas. Come, there's bags, y'all. There's bags. (laughs) I found a little Tefnaju. Narmer, get me a bag. These are like okay. trading cards, maybe. <laughs> trading cards. I got a 33 on Spellcraft to know what this thing does, maybe. Everyone that just looks like a mountain. First off, it radiates strong necromancy. Oh. Ah. Secondly, you can tell that this is a key, although it does require another device to use. Oh, it's probably the key like for that little, thing. Oh, I was going to be like, are these like little voodoo figurines? Oh, I don't like that. When placed, it provides, first off, a telepathic link which will establish between the figurine that you see oh. or the subject of the figurine uh, and you. Uh, this lasts for an indefinite amount of time. He could use this to control, like to tell, talk to them and have them move yeah. around the place. Oh, weird. Yeah. In each of your cases, you will know the other's condition as if via the status spell, as well as location as if by discern location. Huh. All That's right. That's pretty cool. Who else is in these bags? Well, go ahead and just go through all the, I imagine you're going to open all the bags. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Everybody comes over. We have an opening party. We film it for YouTube. Yeah, Narmer picks up one and goes, I think dish one. And hands it up to Masika. All right, Masika, I'll open it. Opening it. You see a figure, the figurine depicting a slender figure, almost waifishly thin, awkwardly standing and looking up, as if looking straight up towards its user. Unlike the other one, this obsidian figure is ashen gray and not black. As you look down at it, Sudi can at the very least identify it, having seen Chisasek in his youth. Oh, as Chisasek, however, in his maybe 30s or 40s. Hmm. Cute. Pick Chisasek. Yeah, that one is Chisasek. It's great. There is no magic on this figurine. It looks like it once was magical, oh, but it's no longer. Because, it, yeah. because if they die, the magic dies. Fit, I wanted a magic talk to Chisasek without the magic. But mask. now you have a cute statue of Chisasek. <laughs> yep. Here, keep Chisasek safe. I'll keep him right next to my heart. Oh. And opens up his chest plate and shoves it in. Move over. <laughs> Can we do a Move side quest at the end of this where Narmer, Masika, and Hollis, Hollis wants to go to the uh, <laughs> elemental plane of Earth and like go to that weird rock garden and figure out what the heck? <laughs> That sounds fun. I love that as a continuing the adventure thing, the figuring out what the heck this thing is in armor. <laughs> I can pick up plane shift. It'll be fine. Sudi, you open up a bag pulling out a depiction of a strange cloaked figure that doesn't appear to have legs, as if the cloak itself is supporting it upon its octagonal pedestal. Is this magical? I look it at is it. magical. It's magical. Is it gray or, or if it's magical, it must be black. I mean, yeah, it's black. It must be something that's else that's in here, although I don't know what it is. Does it match the description of anyone we know? No. Maybe it's your, uh, maybe it's the Hamra. I mean, is any like a wraith or something? Now? No, it doesn't look like it has any legs. He was banished. Wouldn't this have been made before oh. that? Yeah, you're right, you're right. Also these. Uh, it does appear to be magical. You may make a spellcraft if you so wish. I get a 33 taken 10. This does not provide the same benefits as the oh. other one. You're not sure if each one of these are different. Oh, weird. You do know that if it is activated by being placed in the proper receptacle, it will enlarge and transform into a shadowy fey assassin known as an Anku, oh, uh, which will oh, then subsequently good. attempt to kill whoever has activated this. <laughs> yeah. All right, what? that one's that like, one's a trap, Sudi. It'll uh, try to kill you. If Sudi you put like it in does that spot. thing where he like bobbles it and just drops it because he's no, like, ah. don't drop it. What are you doing? So we walked into You'll a room that was trapped by two monsters to open a box that was trapped to pick up a bag that was trapped that contains a trap. Uh-huh. Just don't I put hear it in you that like traps. I was, I was gonna say, sorry, who wrote this book? Michael Cortez, I believe. Michael Cortez, you mad lad genius! <laughs> oh my gosh. This uh, book has got me guessing at every turn. Okay, we'll keep that because that's interesting. Okay, but no, we will not put it in the thing. That. If you don't put it in the slot over there, it's fine. Citra, you open a bag containing a figurine of a massive bird. No. A hawk, maybe? Or oh. something. Yeah, let's not mess with the mythical bird figurine. Maybe it lets you talk to the bird so we can or be like, please don't bird. kill us. Uh, taking 10 on your spellcraft, you can determine that uh, if this figurine is placed into the correct receptacle, it actually weakens the creature depicted. Oh. Stripping it of its magic and imposing a penalty on its attacks, saving throws, initiative checks, skill checks, basically removing from it the magic that maintains it. We should oh. probably take care of that. Yeah, because yeah, it kills people out here in the desert. Yeah, it's bad and it should feel bad. And also, if we get rid of it now, Mummy Hakatep probably won't have a giant flying evil mythic bird. Yeah, we true. don't want Mummy Hakatep to have a giant <laughs> mythic bird. That is true. Yep, true. Uh, opening the final two bags, you find that they contain two more figurines, one of which I'll go ahead and actually I'll go ahead and say you can identify both of them. 
Uh, the first one appears to depict a massive figure, almost seemingly half-formed, until you realize it's intentionally designed to mimic the Earth elemental Beckon Tafra. As long as this figurine is placed um, in its proper receptacle, it will suppress Bekintofra's mythic, capital M, power. Oh, he's got oh. mythic! Okay, all right. Why we'll is everything mythic? He will still be an Elder Earth Elemental, but... Yeah, and we're going to have to go past him to get to well, our next spot. We'll so we have to we activate to those him. two, it looks like. Uh-huh. Well, there's only one slot at a time, I think. There's only one slot. But if we take it, we can like take care of the bird and then come take the bird off and then put that thing and then go talk to him. The aye, last aye, aye. one, uh, Sudi immediately recognizes, and I think all of you would probably recognize somewhat from uh, description, as this appears to depict a mummified Spinosaurus. <laughs> cool! Which you believe is probably Censurate the Tribeater. Wow. <laughs> so, they mummified so I, I it? I imagine Sudi looks at this it. one and goes... It's, it's literally like bandaged up little statuette uh, of a dinosaur. Okay, that's cute. Sudi's so, so just like, oh man, I saw this fight. I saw okay, this fight they, in the vision. This is the thing that Hakatep fought. So what does but it his statue do? No, it's, yeah, he must have kept it and mummified it. Oh, God. Where's it's a dinosaur? Um, uh, dinosaur. So mm. this one, Hollis can identify as a double-edged sword. Oh. Uh, placing it on the proper receptacle, the dead dinosaur gains the permanent effects of haste, oh. as well as fast healing. However, if it is slain while the figurine is placed here, it will actually slay the tribeater, which... From what you can determine, it is otherwise immortal, as long Ooh, as this uh, thing remains as an essence of phylactery for it. Okay, wow. so we got a lot we of big get things rid to of kill. the bird. We get rid of Beck and Tofra, and then as we're leaving, <laughs> we just throw the dinosaur one on there. So when we inevitably run into it, but we don't have to kill Beck <laughs> okay, and Tofra. We okay, just have well, to wait, talk wait, to Beck and Tofra. He hopefully. lynched the dinosaur. <laughs> he was not a nice man. He mummy lynched the dinosaur. He lynched the dinosaur. He so the dinosaur. My question is. Do the people who represent these figurines, like specifically Beck and Tofra, did he know that this figurine was made and would like debilitate him basically? Was it in his contract? Who knows? We have no I'm idea how this curious, magic works. Because if he doesn't know about it, it might be a bargaining chip for us. Hmm. We should still have the statue in place mm-hmm. when we go talk to him because if it goes south, I don't want to fight a mythic earth we, elemental. In, depending on how high a level, we might not be able be to able fight to. him. Well, yep. do we want to put the bird in for now just in case we see that bird tonight? Sounds good. Yeah, let's do that. All right, we put the bird in for it now. It's called the, what, Dusk Eater? Dust Taker. Dust Making taker. your way over, yeah. placing it on the pedestal. Uh, the entirety of the pedestal surrounds in a halo of purple light. The statuette itself begins to glow with this almost purple fairy fire that begins to surround it and then remains. All right. Um, I don't suppose this is movable, is it? Or are we going to have to come down here every time to... It looks pretty heavy. The pedestal is carved directly out of the stone. We'll have to come back down here every time. Well, but we definitely should probably put Beck and Tofras in before we go talk to him Mm -hmm. because if it winds up in a fight, him being weakened as kind of underhanded as it is, is going to probably ensure our survival. Earth elementals aren't easy. Yep. I think Sh- that's fine. Shooty and I could talk to him as Earth brothers. Um, reality check, I can't actually talk to them because I don't know Terran. Not yet. But if I were to get 5,000 more experience, I would. That's what it sounds like. Is that right, Mashika? How, how much traffic speed have we gotten from this episode? I, I don't speak Terran either. Though, Sudi's right. We should probably be working on that. <laughs> yeah. Hollis closes the box, folds it up, and puts it in her bag. Dude. We should probably put the figure, or the rest of the figurines besides just a sec. 
All right, I guess on the way out, we'll put the bodies of these poor people in the potable box and- <laughs> Oh wait, did did you read that podium, Citra? I, it was too difficult for me to decipher, but one of you might be able to. All right, let's 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 look at the instruction manual, I think, um, for the, the lantern yeah. doodad. Can we decipher it? It is linguistics check. Hmm. I will uh, remind you mm-hmm. uh, that, we have a tablet. that you have a tablet that does grant you a bonus on linguistics check as Oopsies. long as it includes I rolled a 19 on the die, <laughs> which gets me a 30. Dang. That's so working your way over, looking over this, this does appear to identify the properties of the, quote, life lantern. Hmm. Life lantern. Interesting. Uh, so first off, if held in one hand by a living bear, the life lantern uh, glows with a radiant light. If the carrier is undead, the life lantern instead sheds an area of magical darkness. Oh, huh. That seems a weird thing to build into your magical onk. That's cool. The light or darkness uh, created by the life lantern enhances certain elements of necromancy. Oh. In an area of light generated by a living carrier of a life lantern, dying creatures gain a plus four bonus on all constitution checks to stabilize. Wow. Whoa. More significantly, a body brought back to life via raised dead, resurrection, or any similar effect does not gain any negative levels upon being brought back to life so long as the body is restored while it's illuminated by the life lantern. Wow. wow. We got to keep this after we activate that doodad. Hopefully we can. Once per year, the life lantern may be used by a living creature to cast resurrection on a creature touching the life lantern to a portion of the dead creature's body. Wow. Whoa. Oh. Wow. So there, there was a fallback of Hollis Descendant herself. <laughs> uh, when the life lantern sheds darkness in the hand of an undead creature, all undead creatures in that area of darkness gain fast healing five. Oh. And once per week, the life lantern may be used by an undead creature to cast, cast greater undead. Hmm. Oh, lovely. As an interesting side note, the life lantern also functions as a holy or unholy symbol for a spellcaster who worships a deity who grants access to the domains of death or healing. And the spellcaster huh. need not actually have those domains to use the the lantern in this way. That's cool. Interesting. Well, it doesn't say how to use the other doodad, but uh, it's pretty cool. We can use it for stuff. The uh, the instructions do not include how to destroy it, but it is an artifact. That that's fine. I so we I mean, like we could like it. legend lore that or whatever. I think Masiki got some ability for that, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think we want to destroy it. No, that's far we too must useful. This. Is, the, the follower of Memphis is, is like, I'll let you destroy that mask, but this is cool. Uh, yeah, no, it's way too useful. Once per year resurrection. Oh. I mean, that by that itself be would be powerful enough if it wasn't yeah. for the also like giving you the bonuses if you raise dead somebody. All right, let's levels pause and, stuff. and think of it from a meta perspective. He knew that we were going to die horribly in this place. <laughs> let's let's, let's just give Michael Cortez the, the <laughs> benefit of the doubt. Only one person would die <laughs> this year. <laughs> he thought only one person would die. My, I like to think Michael Cortez sitting at his desk, stroking his chin, going, "Spell turning. Someone's gonna try to disintegrate one of these." <laughs> yeah. That happened in the playtest. Yeah, because Michael sure. Cortez is like an OG adventure writer too. Yep. Maybe include something to let them bring back someone from disintegration, or like a sleigh <laughs> living, or or something like that. <laughs> Or Maybe a finger effects. of death. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, I guess we'll gather up the bodies and head upstairs. And I'm going to go ahead. Up, uh, fold up that chest and then unfold yeah. it and put in bodies. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. To gather up all of the bodies. The intact bodies. Uh, it takes a single person two hours. Uh, it's divided by the number of people. So assuming all four, all four of you are attempting to gather up the bodies, it would take you 30 minutes. Okay. okay. And I guess... 
once we're underneath where we can get out, do we want a dimension door out so we don't have to provoke? Yeah, yeah once we go back over to the fishing hole, so I'm going to call it, uh, I'll dimension Doris back <laughs> into uh, the treasure room. Okay. So right. you make your way back down. You reach the bottom of that. You step forward, chant in tone. All right, step let's through go. a purple door, emerge from the purple door out into the now empty treasure vault. All, All right. right. Let's go over and put an onk on a thing. I want to cast vision on that before we do it, just so we don't blow up everything. Yeah, That's probably good. a good idea. I guess we wander back to the big circle room. Yeah. The spell works like legend lore, except it, it, except it only takes a standard action. You can pose a question about a person, place, or object and cast a spell. If the person or object is at hand or you are in the place of question, you receive a vision about it by succeeding on a caster level check, which is 1d20 plus 1 per caster level to a maximum of plus 25. I don't think Chisisek was a 25th level caster. So the object is at hand. So I guess I want to know how this thing works. All right. I roll a 17, which gets me a 30. Okay. I burn my block of incense. You settle down. How long does the spell take? A standard action. Standard action. Okay. But I do have to use my incense and my four pieces of ivory to use the spell. It does require a component and a focus. You burn your incense. You settle down here in the... Are you doing that in the uh, the room with the dais? Yeah. Well, yeah, we're trying to figure out yeah, how it works. Yeah, she has to be able to, mm-hmm. like, see it or touch it or whatever. Okay. So casting this on the dais, the stone disc here is part of the immense magical device called the Great Receptacle that will activate the Capsutonum. Okay. Essentially speaking, this is an immense, quote, on switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Great Receptacle controls when the spiritual energies contained within the monuments of the slave trenches are used. And without this this device, the power would either have faded away over time or catastrophically felled. In order to activate the Great Receptacle, the Life Lantern must be placed in the indentation in the center of the disc. Doing so will cause the entire disc to rise up on its edge, with the Life Lantern facing towards the tunnel leading out of this room. After which it will then enter into the receptacle, and then subsequently, or with all the elemental energy, will power the surrounding obelisks that lie in the trenches, as well as the 11 sacrifiers. You are aware of two important things. Mm-hmm. Number one, the entirety of the slave trenches have been badly worn down over 6,000 years of not being maintained or used. You are fairly certain that you can activate this once. You are not positive if you could activate it again. Right. Once activated, it will remain active for one week. Ooh. And after we activate this, we have to go to the place where the Earth Elemental is hanging out and do something there. And then it's after that that we can start activating all the pillars. But we right? have to activate all the pillars within 24 hours, if I remember yes. correctly. Not of activating this. You are no, no, aware no, that the source of the Sacrifice power is found within the complex on the northern side of the Earthworks called the Tecraminute, where you are now. To, yes. Once you've awakened the Kepsutonum by using uh-huh. this device, you must seek out the chamber of the Sacrifiers within a second complex on the eastern reaches of the trench, known as the Sacrifinite. At the Sacrifinite, we have to do we have to activate something else. Uh, just six words were: you must seek out the chamber of the Sacrifiers within the second complex on the eastern reaches of the trenches, the Sacrifinite. From there, it's simply a matter of anointing the Sacrifier symbols in the proper order with holy or unholy water. Oh, okay. So I do have that list. So 
Does that mean we don't have to go to the pillars, each pillar individually, that there's symbols in the sacrifinite? Yeah. Yeah, because I won't know until you're there. Yeah, because I had to activate Kepsutonum, activate sacrifiers, use holy water uh, between dawn and noon, and then get the sun disk key and activate the sun disk. Mm -hmm. Oh, between dawn and noon means we have like six hours to do all of that. Well, if it's all in the same place, it won't be a big deal. Yeah, after casting the spell, Masika will, you know, stand back up. Also to finalize that it is, yeah, you do, after you've done all that, you need only use the Pharaoh's key in the central stone of the sun disk. Finding the Pharaoh's key will be the trick, but it should still lie within a complex called the Akuminet near the sun disk. So basically you need to still go to the Sekrafinet to find the chamber of the Sekrafiers, and then you have to go to the Akuminet to find the Pharaoh's key. And then you have to find the sun disk to activate it. Masiko is going to stand up. All right, we should find everything and have everything ready to go before we activate this. With how old everything is, we're only going to have one shot at this. And once we activate it, we'll have maybe a week. So we need to find the key and we need to clear the way to the Sacrifinite before we activate this. And then once we activate everything, we're going to have to do it fast, just to make sure it doesn't fail. Alright. Uh, if also pertinent. Hmm. Yeah, well, no, that's not yes. necessarily part no, of this. No, it is pertinent. Tell me, it's pertinent. It's always pertinent. I'll go ahead and say this here. Activating the slave trenches will prob- will overcome the magic of whatever aromatic infidelum is powering an object and bring it down. It will not destroy it. This is a magic item that is being used to bring something down. Yeah, so it's going to suppress the magic that makes them fly, but maybe only for a week, maybe only for a day. We have no way of knowing. So I think we should go and figure out exactly what's going on at the Sacramentate Chamber and see if we can activate the pillars symbols there or if we're going to have to go to each individual pillar. And then we have to find the key. And then once we have everything and we know where we're going... And then we can activate everything, I think. Because mm. if we can't bring the pyramid down, it's going to be a lot more complicated to get to Hakatep. Where do you think that pyramid's going to come down? I mean, we don't know where it is right now. So you think they'll come back? If it doesn't just drop them down wherever they are. Maybe we can find launch zones. Yeah, there might be something that shows us. I mean, there was that cool room in the uh, Istakim Habets uh, oh, yeah, area where you, you can kind of like, all were, kind see of. where they all were. I wonder well, if there's something like that down here. I've had a pretty decent description of Chis's, or the Apocatep's pyramid. I might be able to vision it and figure out where this is once we bring it down if it's not here. Mm. Yeah, we definitely need to deal with all the threats and have this place pretty much cleared out and ready to go before we start activating anything. All right. I will applaud you. I would even give you a hero point for checking on exactly what this thing does before activating <laughs> going, oh, well, I guess we just uh, started the seven-day time countdown. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, also, we would have lost Run. the Ankh, which is super powerful. I know, the Ankh is very fun to have. This is why Masika is cool. She has legend lore, but fast. Yep, fast lore is best lore. Masika is now also fatigued, so it's That's cool. We're going to bed. <laughs> it's fine. We were going to go to sleep anyway after our five-mile walk to um, uh, Tefnaju's house. And I used all my restorations earlier to get y'all up and going, so I don't have one to make it go away. It's fine. We'll put our mansion next to his house, and then we'll have a place to sleep. And he can come hang out in our mansion. That'll be fun. I don't think he'd uh, like it. No, he can't. Because he can't. Because that would be stepping into a de- another plane, which would probably mm-hmm. violate his contract to guard Sad. the place. Yep. So I suppose you guys are heading back up? Yep. 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 
I suppose you collect yourselves. You walk back out through the uh, the short hallway. You step back out. Make your way stepping back out of the uh, the brilliantly bright lantern vault into the shadows here of the the slave trenches. Citra, you step down. I imagine turn begin to make your way over in the direction of Tefnashu. He's returning back to his rock and seems to be just kind of meditating. The rest of you turn to follow. Hall is probably slowing slightly, turning. Mm-hmm. As soon as you step out and the trenches are gone. What? Ow. You feel the cold press of the mask against your face. Uh-oh. And slowly turn to see a figure standing nearby and a vast shadow eclipse both of you as what honestly looks like a small hill stands up to its feet and cast in its shadow you can just see the widespread wings of our gargantuan sphinx it'll pick it up here next time uh, once again wearing the mask yeah i was gonna say wearing the mask let's just drop me in whenever you want Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.